and actors were Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Yeah. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Better shake your booties for black girl nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie, and this episode is hosted by Ryan. This is a two-part episode featuring actor Aisha Harris of Daisy Jones and the Six and filmmaker Muta Ali. In our first segment, we welcome Aisha Harris. Born and raised in Long Beach and Inland Empire areas of Southern California, Aisha lived many lives before pursuing a career in acting full-time. Aisha can be seen in the Amazon Prime miniseries, Daisy Jones and the Six, opposite Riley Coe, Sam Clayton, and Sookie Waterhouse. Adapted from Taylor Jenkins Reid's wildly popular historical fiction novel of the same name, the series follows the rise and fall of a fictional L.A. rock band in the 1970s, under the guise of Fleetwood Mac. In our second segment, we welcome filmmaker Muda Ali. Muda Ali is an award-winning film director whose latest feature documentary release is Cassius X, Becoming Ali. He received an NAACP Image Award nomination for Best Director of a Documentary for his critically acclaimed Yousef Hawkins' Storm Over Brooklyn and his feature documentary debut was Life Essentials with Ruby Dee featuring Harry Belafonte, Alan Alda, Felicia Rashad, Spike Lee, and many others. He is currently directing his next feature documentary on a wildly popular product invented by black entrepreneurs and driven into the ground by predatory executives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode, this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring none other than Aisha Harris and Muda Ali. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And you know, it's been a challenging couple of years, right? You know, whatever's going on personally, COVID, the pandemic just had to hit, right? And you had to be brave enough to be like, okay, I'm going to take a step in some kind of direction. I got to do something different. Well, you hear her laughing in the background, but I'm so excited to talk to her because she didn't let us stop her. What was going on in COVID-19, any kind of little personal issue, she was like, I'm getting ready to act. And Hollywood <laughs> better step, better get ready. Because they weren't ready. I'm going to tell you right now, they're not ready. <laughs> so I'm so excited. Um, I want to talk to her about being in the miniseries Daisy Jones and the Six, which you can catch on Amazon Prime March 3rd. And I'm talking about actor Aisha Harris. How you doing, Aisha? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Hello, hello. So excited to have you here. I got a sneak peek, you guys. So I'm going to try to ask as much as I can without giving anything away because I want y'all to take it all in. Um, but, but first, Aisha, can you kind of tell us like as much as you want to share? But I got to know about six years ago, you being a barbershop owner and then having all these female barbers a part of that. By the way, that's a movie in itself. Like, somebody needs to write that. I think that's cool. <laughs> I know, right? It's a whole story. Um, yeah, actually, I had to I shop right before COVID, actually, um, for about six years. Uh, all female staff, all women of color, uh, right in West Hollywood. Uh, and we had a we had a, a really, really, really great moment in time. Um, Kind of brought the shop together, uh, working at an all-male shop for a while, uh, watching a lot of my uh, gay clientele be marginalized, you know, not feeling like they had a safe space, safe space in the barbershop. And not to say that the guys that I work with were were not good guys, but it's, right. you know, it's kind of, you know how it is when you're the only only one visibly there. It can get a little 
it can get a little isolating. So uh, I, I opened up ninth chapter um, and it was a wave and man, I, I loved every minute of it. And tell us about, okay, you debuted and tell it like a woman, and, you know, just Jennifer Hudson and Taraji P. Hansen, <laughs> you know, involved in this. And just tell us, like, how did that happen for people that are listening, you know, want to get into acting, but they like, oh, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not ready for it. What kind of, what kind of uh, tips can you throw out? Well, you know, I did a lot of guest stars before um, I was able to audition for a project like that. Um, and people need to be open to guest stars. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's a great way to get on set. Um, you know, get familiar with how things work, uh, how you're going to feel once they say action and rolling, and like, let's go, you know, so I think people want to see themselves and rightfully so, uh, you know, the big bright lights, but it's all about steps, you know, as being a business owner, I can really value, you know what I mean, like the journey to get there. So I, I think sometimes people may take themselves out about rushing the progress, the, 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 the process rather too much, you know, um, mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just, you know, I have been kind of adjacent to the work um, kind of throughout my barber career, you know, always doing commercials and whatnot. And um, and yeah, then all of a sudden I just got this incredible opportunity and I just I just took it. And, you know, that's important because everybody, they want to rush, right? Like sometimes you got to wait and see what happens. And it's a good, like, it's a good training ground, you know, get started. Anyway, you try to kind of step into something easily instead of because mm -hmm. everybody wants to now, now, now. I know my generation is like, let's go right now. Let's <laughs> jump into it. Let's get it. Yeah. But, you know, you it's know, a good it's training like, background. Yeah. It's like, um, you said my training background? Yeah. 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 Let, tell, oh, yeah okay. tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to share I that. I yeah. for a while, which is a really, really great, pro uh, really great program. Um, I did Black Nexus with Susan Batson. Um, during COVID, actually, my girlfriend, my partner, um, she went to IDSA, which is a really reputable program here. And I'm not a really good learner on, on Zoom. So I kind of learned through her. Uh, oh, okay. you know, kind of like a CZ Netty <laughs> type vibe, you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, she was she, she's uh, directed and recorded every self-tape I've done. Mm -hmm. um and she she's just she's my everything my partner and uh yeah so with those programs and then just really being a barber for a long time and watching people and the nuance of people and the human condition up close uh when people are happy about a thing when they're excited to tell you something like people's body language uh, when people are lying about stuff you know it's, it's really interesting yeah. to watch people up close without any judgment so you just get all that they have to offer so yeah kind of just like life and workshops classes programs yeah i bet the barbershop is good acting class i'll tell you right now i bet you hear all kind of stuff in there mm. <laughs> listen the book coming the book coming in the future that need to be a movie i'm just gonna put that out there again i'm just saying that's interesting um but you okay so let's get in daisy jones and the six speaking of partnerships and just uh like a really nice relationship i hope people really take a lot from kind of seeing uh bernie and simone and can, mm -hmm. what can you tell us about or how do you see bernie Give everybody a little taste of how do you view her? I kind of see her as one of the unsaid, un the, the unsung trailblazers of that time, you know, like the women that were really setting a foundation for. Just like being unapologetically, unapologetically themselves, you know, um, in, a, in a space where you necessarily couldn't be. Um, and I find Bernie to be so sweet and understanding yet, uh, you know, really holds her ground and in, in creating a safe space for herself and her community. So I, I can really relate to the character. 
And what was it like on the sets? Like we're talking about the seventies. It's like you got transported to a time machine and like the clothes and yeah. like you said, the music scene for black women. Like what was that? Stepping back into that. Uh, all I could think about was my parents. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all look good, but y'all was hot too. This polyester is, uh, is anything breathable? Can we get some breathable cotton, please? Um, so other than that, um, yeah. it's, uh, it's great to be in a period piece because it really kind of like teleports you to that time, you know, like you want to find your methods of like dropping in and really tapping into the moment. So when everything looks like it's supposed to look, when you when you're when you're, you know, head to toe, ready for action, um, it it kind of it kind of adds an ease to the process. Did you do any research about, you know, like audio mixing, anything about, you know, like the music scene, like up club on me, anything back in that time period? Because I know that had to be interesting for, you know, black women trying to pull that off back in the day. It's right. interesting now, so I can't even imagine back in the day. It's hard any, at any time period. Um, well, one of my idols uh, always, um, even before this, was uh, Jewel Williams, who runs the Catch One in Los Angeles. Uh, really looking at her story and how she came up. Um, those types of women are, are, man, they are just a really significant part of our history, especially here in Los Angeles. Um, and so, yeah, just looking through that, oh, we had, um, uh, an historical advisor on the set. Uh, okay. we had a sound advisor on the set, um, music, just how to, even how you handle, you know what I mean? The records, like, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't like this and if she didn't have a press single it wouldn't have no artwork on it so we're gonna use this album and, and i was like okay like and um and so we we went to greece for a whole month uh oh, wow. movie, which was incredible um so they really like really kind of took us there yeah you like it's no digital downloads back no. then so it was cool watching the hustle they there were there were no cars on the island we we all we got around by donkeys what? My oh donkey. my gosh! A donkey with with light equipment on his back, <laughs> like craft service donkey. It's wild. It was wild. I was about to lead in the challenges, but that sounds like a challenge right there. I was gonna ask what's the most challenging part of in this role, but that sounds like one of them right there. That yeah, the the, the physical part of the end of shooting um, in Greece uh, was pretty intense. Um, Oh, I don't know if I should be saying that we were in Greece. Ooh. I, oh, I, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Both of us, both of us on the line here. I'm treading thinly, you guys, because, you know, I'm trying to, I'm like, Aisha is playing, is playing this thing, but we know about contracts and y'all don't need all the spoilers. So, you know, <laughs> we give you one little location detail. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. We won't talk yeah, anymore. Yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Fun to watch. Fun to watch. Um, Do you want, like, I, I'm trying to, let me tread lightly on this, though. Like, Bernie and Simone. Give us like a few words to kind of describe because I guess I don't I don't give them too much, but describe like what they're in store for when they watch these two on screen. Uh chemistry and passion. Ooh, I like that. I like that. All right, let's get we about to get off this. Okay, y'all go check it out. Amazon Prime, March 3rd, because I ain't trying to get both of us in trouble. So y'all go check it out and research. And we gotta have you back and we can go into like full detail, talk about the character. Uh, That's gonna be so cool. Okay. But we got to go, like, you got some other stuff coming up, too. This is why I said Hollywood is not ready. You got Glamour's coming up with Netflix. Yep. What can you tell us about that? Anything? Can you tease anything? Great, great show. I don't want to tease too much. Um, it's about a, a makeup company that uh, could be possibly getting into some trouble and some mm-hmm. uh, some 
lovely love lorn relationships in the office okay. and where we go and how uh, how we get to our uh, our goal. It's really it's a really 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 fun show. It's really poppy. It's really colorful. It's super gay. It's so much fun. I had a really <laughs> good time doing that. <laughs> it was like a little queer wonderland. <laughs> and I'm just gonna say congrats on this because we already know we see this come out on like you know Hollywood Reporter, so we know y'all have nothing to tell us. But I just want to say congratulations on paramedic paramedic action or what is it? Um, co uh, Code Three. I was trying to look it up real quick. Code yeah, Three, right? Action comedy, yeah, with uh, Lil Rel and uh, Rain uh, Wilson from The Office, um, which has been incredible. We're still shooting, um, and that's really fun working with comics. You gotta stay on your toes with them, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's great. Man, I just I sit back and learn and just stay open and worry free on set. I'm just here to soak it in. Look, that's what you gotta do. That's how you keep it pushing and and you know sneak up behind people, give them a sneak attack and all these projects. It's uh, true. Which is so cool. Um, what do you what do you do to kind of to chill out, relax? Because you're on the ground right now. You're on the hustle. What do you kind of do to stay like centered and and you know stay focused? Mm, I think the number one thing is walking my dog. My dog is actually staring at me right now, like I want to go play. Uh, <laughs> next time we got video, so the dog can make a cameo. Next time we gonna do a video. <laughs> My little dog. Um, yeah, I got her uh, through a time uh, right before COVID, uh, so she she was really therapeutic for me. Um, so yeah, just staying, keeping my body moving. You know, like I feel like if I get too sedentary, if I'm just like on the gram too much or on this too much, you know, I just feel my my brain get a little stagnant. So I just you know, um, movement is my love language. I like to move around. Listen, well, we want you to keep moving because I can't wait for these projects you got coming up. I can't wait for them to check out Daisy Jones in the six because she's definitely moving in this one. I'm trying to tell yes. you. So go, go, go yes. check it out. That's gonna come out of nowhere because I didn't really I didn't really talk about it a bunch. Everything was happening so fast. So yeah, it's, mm. it's, all these all these projects are definitely just gonna file out one by one. So I'm really excited about it. Well, come drop us a line every time they fall. Like as they fall one by one and let us know. I'm with that. I'm with that. That'll happen in my time. Easy. Go on with the flow. Aisha, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. So much fun. Yeah, word, word. And, and congratulations on your show. This was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan. And what do you think of when you hear Muhammad Ali, right? The champ, the greatest. But you know, how do we go from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali? You ever think about that? And just the importance of, of names, especially in the Black community and what it symbolizes. Well, I'm so excited because I'm joined today by award-winning film director, Muta Ali. And he has, he has this incredible story, this new world to kind of enter, if you will, for Muhammad Ali. His documentary is called Cassius X, Becoming Ali. By the time this comes out, it's probably already on the Smithsonian channel. So, you know, check your local listings, find it. But it comes out February 20th. And it's just, it's such a cool, interesting, another story. You think you hear all the stories about Muhammad Ali, about Ali, right? But you don't know this one, I guarantee, because it was so many surprises for me. But I said, all I have to say, welcome, Muta. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here, excited to talk about Cassius X, um, and and I hope everyone gets a chance to watch it. Uh, have you seen it? I have seen it. I loved it. It's phenomenal because I like I was telling you before we started recording. I, I always think, okay, you know, Muhammad Ali, he's he's such a phenomenal human being, right? Such an icon that there are so many stories about him. Mm -hmm. So many different mm -hmm. takes you can take, and you're thinking, okay, here we go, another documentary. 
but right. it's, it's so unique the take that this one has um but you know before we really get into it though because i got a ton of questions i'm gonna try not to spoil too much for the listeners <laughs> out there because i want them to go right. check out and and listen to it but i want to ask you okay so you had an naacp image award nomination for yusef hawkins and right, right, um right. you've done the life essentials of ruby d you know mm-hmm. the raw report i'm so curious there's so many you're a producer on the soul of a nation i want to mention that as well with okay, these with cool. all these different projects um you you've been a part of how do you decide do you do you have a choice in your project it's kind of just like you know what comes in front of you or how do you decide where you're going to work on you know, I, I do. I'm lucky enough to have a choice. And I think a lot of us have a choice. It, it, it might not hit our pockets in the way that we prefer, <laughs> but we, we have a choice to do or, or not do certain things. And uh, over my years, you know, I've, I've decided I've learned, you know, being an artist, you have to learn what moves you. And being a filmmaker, I don't know how you could do it unless you're moved by the story that you're telling or moved by the desire to learn more about the story that you're telling. And so I've learned over the years that, you know, these types of stories, they work for me. So I'm going to go for that and say yes to that. And these other types of stories, uh, you know, they, they might be something that I could add to my catalog, but I'm not going to be moved enough or passionate enough about it to to create a work of art that I'm going to actually enjoy uh, showing people. So that's sort of the determinant factor. Is this something that I really care about? And so with Cassius X, of course, it was uh, there are a few layers within that uh, story that that I cared about bringing forward to 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 audiences and and so I was I was definitely excited and on board when 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 I first started directing it. Yeah, you can you can tell like the passion behind it and just going into some of these projects. And like you said, that's a brave move or even just cool in itself to be able to pick the projects that you work on. And, you know, like you said, you want it to hit your pocket in a way because, you know, but mm-hmm. at the same time, there's a message that you have to get across. And speaking of which, when you open up Cash's X Becoming Ali, when this when this opens up, one of the questions is like, what do Muslims want? And I thought that was so interesting that you opened with that. And, you know, and I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about that choice and, you know, just the kind of what kind of led you like, okay, this is the story I want to tell about Muhammad Ali. You know, thanks for asking that question. It, I think Elijah Muhammad is a big part of the story of Cassius Clay's transformation into Muhammad Ali, but he doesn't get a lot of focus when we talk about that transition. And I was like, you know, he, his voice over the radio hit uh, young Muhammad Ali's ears when he was Cassius Clay. As a young man training in Miami over the radio, he would listen as Elijah Muhammad would speak. And 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 I was like, you know, if, if, if I'm telling a story about his transformation, it'd be great if I could convey to the audience what was hitting his ears and in what climate, uh, you know, the climate of segregation, he's hearing a voice over the radio tell him that he is is a powerful person and, and to tell him uh, about his, his, his Blackness in a certain way. And so, okay, I'm listening to Elijah Muhammad hours and hours and hours, and mm-hmm. it finally gets to the point where he's talking about what, what the Muslims want. And I think, you know, that's pretty direct, you know, that's pretty, yep. I think, gripping. It gets right to the point as soon as you start. Uh, and he talks about, you know, we we don't want to carry the names that uh, slave masters have, have have forced upon us. Uh, we want to go by our own names, and, 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 you know, the ones that God has, has given us. And I'm like, you know, that is so powerful to hear. And so starting the film with that, I think it said a lot. It said, you know, this film is not going to do what you expect it to do. 
And it directly told you, I think, one of the driving forces behind Muhammad Ali's transformation, uh, Honorable Elijah Muhammad's voice and, and what he was carrying forward in terms of his, his message. Yeah, you know, one of the, you touched on it a little bit. One of the main things you do take away is the importance of name. And the fact right. that it represents so much about us. I remember growing up and so my name is Ryan, but it's spelled Rian. So it's so that's how people are always pronouncing it. And I would just, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'll get tired of correcting people. And I would say, okay, you know, it's fine, whatever. And my mom went in and she's like, no, that's not the name I gave you. You need to make sure they pronounce it correctly. And it doesn't really yeah. hit you until you see something like this because you're thinking, okay, that name, you know, like that going around, that means something. That's something important to that. You know, it's a reflection of who you are and how people are going to see you. You know, it even impacts, you know, it's tied to legacy. So I just thought that was so important how that, that was like the main point of this documentary is to realize, you know, your background, where your name comes from. And, and I was curious to you that why that struck such a chord with you and it's just, and you leaving with the black community, just knowing the importance of, you know, their last name or, or their background and how that ties into their heritage. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I went through through the same thing, I, I believe. You know, my name is Muta Ali, and mm -hmm. people immediately truncate it and say Muta. And I remember distinctly as a teenager, uh, my father introducing me to one of his uh, colleagues, and I introduced myself as Muta Ali, and the other person said Muta, and I said, yeah, that's fine. And my father interrupted me and told the man, no, that's not fine. Uh, your name is Muta Ali is what he said and I, I, I'll never forget that uh, but it does it did give me a sense of importance that you know my father didn't name me uh, just all willy-nilly for no reason you know and I think as I tell people who I am I'm reminded of who I am and so sort of extrapolating from that if if you know I, I am African-American and 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 it's our elders, our ancestors, uh, some of them descended from enslaved Africans who were, whose names were taken from them, and they were forced to take these uh, generally European names. And I think part of the steps toward full freedom and liberation, it, it starts inside. And if inside you're calling yourself a name that to you, you, you identify it. You know, some people don't look at it as a slave name, but if you decide, you know, I, I have a slave name that's a big step mentally. And then you're given the opportunity to change it. And then you have power to change it. And that inner revolution, nobody could could stop that. So I was, I was attracted to that part of the story, uh, for sure. And you know, I got to make sure I'm saying Mutali because I did the same thing when we started this out. So I was like, I got to oh, make sure did? I get it right. Oh, I didn't important. mean, I wasn't trying to jab at you. No, 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 you good. <laughs> it's important though. It's important uh, that you ask because people don't ask uh, right a lot, right? And so yeah. it's important to know you know, to make sure you, you even say people's name right. I'm like, that was sort of my first thing. Like, you know, it's a Muta, it's a Muta Ali. And you just don't I think did, about I, I it because you're remember. so used to people yeah. cutting it. You know what I mean? You don't even think right. about correcting people because you're like, oh, they're just going to cut right. it and say it wrong anyway. Right. You know, but it's important <laughs> to know. You know what I mean? Because it's just important to, to to you know, look at how people are represented and that it, it you know, it's important to mean something. I mean, you know, your name means something. You know, you got it for a reason. So right, I, I thought right, that was yeah. so cool that people are going to get from this. Um, but, you know, I want to kind of shift here a little bit as a director. Sure. How do you find you um, the people that you're going to, you know, sort of get out for the interviews? You had different um, professors mm -hmm. kind of in this, different educators. You have, um, you know, boxing broadcasters um, right, as, right. as part of this. Malcolm X's eldest daughter. I'm going to let you pronounce her name because I definitely want to butcher Atala. it. Uh, <laughs> Ambassador Atala. Atala. Okay, Atala. Atala. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, she was phenomenal in this. But I was just kind of curious mm-hmm. how you went around and, and you know, found who you're going to do the interviews for. Because it was just so, I feel like it's such a big standout of this documentary, the people that you chose. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I was lucky in the in the sense that there's a book called Cassius X. And this documentary is based upon that book to a, a, a large degree. Um, and that book is written by a man named Stuart Cosgrove. Uh, he's uh, based out in Scotland. And Stuart uh, has written many books uh, uh, that often uh, include a lot about African-American culture and music. And the Cassius X book, it covered uh, Muhammad Ali's transformation, but it also covered politics of that time and music of that time to sort of give even more context uh, about the world that a young Cassius Clay was immersed in while he was learning about himself. And so I started with that book. I started with that book uh, and uh, they, uh, you know, the, the studio provided me with any and all information um, I requested. So just doing a lot of research. And essentially I had to boil it down to what I felt as a director was most important to convey in this story. And it's a two hour program, but that's with commercials, but we really had about 90 minutes to tell the story. And I said, you know what? We're gonna focus on his spiritual journey and we're gonna focus on his name change and we're going to focus on his boxing because, of course, there, there's a few fights in this film that are exciting mm-hmm. to watch. And after I do that, and I mean, this this is this could be just kind of dry to talk about because it's just kind of a it's it's a pragmatic approach. Uh, I decide what subjects are important, and then I distill everything down and decide what passes the test. Does this fit in the bucket or not? And whatever fit in a bucket, I prioritize who is there and alive, uh, who can comment on what happened. And unfortunately, you know, people, a lot of people who are there have, have passed on, uh, who were there uh, to give us firsthand testimony. So I said, okay, who is alive and can tell me about this part of Muhammad Ali's life and just made a list and reached out to them. But I had the help of a great uh, producing partner, uh, Javon Frank. I've been working with him for over 10 years and Robert Neal, another producer, and the produ- uh, executive producers over at Two Rivers um, who, who were very helpful. And with that, we made we made outreach and, and people responded. Uh, and most people were excited to participate. You know, we shot a lot of this during, during COVID though. So that was a challenge. But once I was able to convey to them what we were doing and, and why, and uh, it was pretty much a slam dunk to get people to agree to participate. And I love that because I'm learning. And I think the last thing I need to do as a storyteller is decide 100% what the story needs to say. I need to speak with the people who are there and learn from them. And the story, as I see it, evolves between me having a concept for it in the beginning and, and us like pressing play and watching the whole the whole film at the end. It evolves uh, based upon what information is provided to me. Yeah, and it's it was just so many little nuggets in here that I was like, oh my gosh! I was like, where was that when you're looking at like some of the the um, black boxers from back in the day that you don't think yeah. about that I had never heard of them, and I was thinking this yeah. is just so interesting to see, you know, <laughs> uh, Cassius Clay at the time, but just how his buttons were pressed, and he was like, oh, I got to get this fight. And just seeing right, like the right. more of, you know what I mean? It was just, it was just so many different layers that I hope people enjoy and go check out. Again, you guys, Smithsonian channel, make sure you look, check your local listens because you do not want to miss this. There's so many cool things, but let me touch on one more thing before I get out of it. Cause like I said, I don't want to spoil too much. I want people to go and check it out and, 
and um and see all the cool little details but one thing i thought was really cool and i don't know if this was just a director's choice maybe that's just how it's shot but i thought it was cool how whenever you introduce each of the um the people that you interviewed or they were kind of giving their story mm-hmm. on muhammad mm-hmm. ali you did like an overhead shot and then the name came yeah. that i thought yeah. was so interesting i was like i wonder why he chose that particular angle I, you know i I'm, I'm just a big fan of new perspectives and i mean that literally uh i guess figuratively also but i i enjoy being able to catch people's body language too and sometimes um even the movement of someone's feet uh can say something about how they're feeling or what they're saying so that overhead shot is something i think captures uh the subject in a way that sometimes could be a little bit um uh, 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 unflattering depending on on what the angle is, but it also, yeah. I think, humanizes the mm-hmm. the person who's speaking. And I, I I love it. I think it worked, especially in conjunction with the really tight close-ups we got uh, as people were sharing those intimate moments about uh, Muhammad Ali. So I'm glad that stood out in a good way uh, to you. I think what it does for me, too, when you pop up, it makes you look at the words at the bottom of the screen yeah. <laughs> more. Yeah. So you can get to see, okay, this is that person and they have these credentials. And, and so it was, and, and you know, just poetically, it aligned with one of the angles of the Sonny Liston fight near the end of the film, the the, the title fight for heavyweight champion. They had a, a high angle uh, of the fight that totally aligned with the overhead shots that we were using. So I, I thought it worked here. Uh, and I'm happy we we had a chance to do that. Sometimes you don't get uh, budget to play around like that. Yeah, the Mazda director is so cool. I thought that was so interesting. <laughs> I was just like, what? Because I usually don't notice that in documentaries, right? Because you're just waiting for that name to pop up. I'd be like, okay, who is this? You know, how are they connected? Yeah. But it was such a cool uh, reveal on that. So yeah, I thought that was phenomenal. So I got to talk to you Thank about you. what... Um, you know, coming up, like if you want to kind of talk about anything coming up next, I know you're working on a next feature documentary. Um, anything you can yeah. share on that about black entrepreneurs? That's anytime we can like pour into the community and black entrepreneurs. I'm all here for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I can't really tell you the name, but it's the rise and fall of a very, very popular company, uh, mm. uh contemporary. So everyone I think will recognize it. But it's a story of uh, you know, uh, uh scrappy people who come up with a brilliant idea and work for over a decade on it and then i don't know how to categorize these people people who come in take over yeah. their company and 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 do some damage you know so it's a story like that it is it is related to you know differences in opportunity you know and so uh i'm in the middle of, of, of filming that and i have another project that'll come out before that, that I hope people uh, appreciate. I just, I'm not able to really say what it is exactly. So I know it doesn't, doesn't help, but I'm working, I'm working (laughs) and uh, uh, pushing things forward. And I, and I appreciate the opportunity to, to even be able to, to say that, but, um, but yeah, Cash is X. I'm hoping people uh, enjoy it because I, I I, I do, I do like a lot of the symbolism I was able to put in there. I like, Mm -hmm. It, it relates to my family's journey too. And I'm so thankful that um, the people contributed and and I learned a lot. So I hope people watch and get something from it. 
Yeah, yeah, it's a fantastic story. Like I said, you always think you know everything, and then somebody finds that one story that you're you yeah. still curious about, and, and you just forget just how many amazing aspects there was um to Muhammad Ali's life, and you throw in a little bit of Malcolm X. So yeah, it's it's yeah. it's a cool watch, you guys. So definitely go check it out. Last question I have for you. I'm curious, sure. is there anybody that you still want to do a documentary about? Like anybody you're still curious about? Now, you know, you could say I need to say that for later if you if you are working on something. But I always get curious when you're you doing know, documentaries in the fashion you are. Is there anybody that you still want to talk about? I'll say it because if someone else does it, then, you know, God bless them. I think the story needs to be told. Yeah. Uh, there's a man named Ivan Van Sertima, um, mm-hmm. who uh, has he's passed away, but he, he wrote a book called They Came Before Columbus. And he talks about the African diaspora uh, who were here in the Western Hemisphere way before Columbus and and colonization and everything. And he's such an interesting intellectual. uh, So I think a story about him would really uh, be uh, entertaining to watch, but also people were alarmed by the facts that he was spewing about how uh, great, you know, the African culture yeah. was to the point where it, 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 he said, "It's no doubt that there were Africans, you know, trading and and living amongst, uh, you know, uh, Central South America." And um, I, I love uh, stories like that 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 handle our diaspora. And I think sooner or later somebody needs to tell a story about how closely related we all are to all our black and brown people uh, uh, th- throughout the world. And uh, our similar, our stories are so similar. As much as our cultures might have their different foods and dishes and, and and beliefs and dances and music, we have a similar story. And a lot of times we don't realize how similar it is. So I, I look forward to telling the stories like that. Yeah, and I say keep on throwing out the names because the more we throw out about you know people that made such a difference in in the black community and black history, the more stories mm-hmm. get told. So you know it's, it's harder to hide it that way. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping absolutely. they keep on, you know, I'm hoping, you know, like with your fabulous work and we keep having people bring it out where, you know, it's people behind black people in the front of the camera, behind the camera, just bringing out the story. So, yeah, I'm looking forward I to it. Um, Mutila Ali, award winning film director. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, have a great night. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.